the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. So it doesn't really get much clearer than that, right? Jesus just says, I'm going to go, everybody's going to reject me, I'm going to die, and then I'm going to rise again. That's, that's pretty plain. So plain that Peter says he spoke plainly about this. And then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. So here's Peter, right? Peter says, hey, Mr. Messiah, oh, I don't think you understand what I was meaning when, when, when I said this to you. And so he puts his arm around him, his lead him away. It's like, hey, dude, you can't die. We got a kingdom to establish. I'm going to be your, your, your vice general or whatever because you just gave me the keys to the kingdom, right? This is, this is a great day for all of us. So again, Jesus is, or excuse me, Peter is acting out of his false beliefs, out of his pride, out of his, his self-centeredness. And that's because behavior reflects beliefs. We could say one thing, but how you function demonstrates how, how you believe. So I've been, I've been trying to get motivated to, to lose weight. I've been in this process for a long time. And, and in the source of all wisdom, Instagram, I saw a nice picture with a, with a great quote on it. And the, the, quote said, the quote said this. I don't know who, who said this. I don't, they're, I, don't know, I don't know if they're a genius or not. But it sounds really good. It says, I feel, or excuse me, I like feeling thin more than I like how food tastes. Right? And I thought about that. I said, yeah, I like that. That seems reasonable. I, I want to live like that. But you can see, I'm not living like that. Right? This, this statement seems like it should be true, but it's not something that I believe. My weight has not changed one iota since I've made that part of my, my mantra that I, that I tell myself. Because there's a difference between liking something and believing something. Peter had just declared that Jesus was the Messiah, but Jesus rebuking him shows that he didn't understand. How could Jesus set up a kingdom when he's dead? Even more, if they kill Jesus, you know what they're going to do to his little band of merry men? They're gone. They're going to off them too. And that didn't match with Peter's expectations. Who you say Jesus is affects how you experience God. If you remember the parable of the prodigal son, prodigal son, the younger brother, he demands his, his share of the inheritance. He runs off. He spends it all. The father, he's waiting, and the son comes back, and they have this great scene of forgiveness. And the father, who is God in the parable, is so overjoyed by this, they throws a party. So now here's the older son, and since the younger son's, the younger brother's spent his inheritance, everything here is the older son's now. Right, so now the father's spending out of what, the, what is the older son's by right to throw, throw this party. And so, the, so when the father comes out and says, what is going on? Why are you so angry? The older son looks at the father again. The father represents God, and he complains that the father never even gave him a goat so that he could have a party. But here's what the father reminded him. Everything was yours. All you had to do was ask and you never did. You see, the older son was living in fear of his father. He was trying to be the perfect son. And that affected how he experienced 
the father. He was afraid to ask. He couldn't have a party because he, he didn't ask for a goat. If you project God as being harsh and unfair, then you're going to interpret your circumstances as, as, as being harsh and unfair. You're going to have resentment toward God. Why, am I, why is he treating me like this? If, if you project that God is distant, then your experience of God is, is that he doesn't care, right? That he's not active. Or if he is active, then he's not powerful enough to overcome what's going on in my life. You feel abandoned. If you, if you think that God keeps a scorecard of how you behave, and this is, this is how I followed Christ for a long time, then you're going to miss out on the experience of grace. You're going to constantly feel worthless because your actions can never measure up to what you want them to be. And in all honesty, that's the most common view of God that I see in people that I talk to and I, and I, and I coach is the scorecard God. I've got to do enough good things so that God will constantly be happy with me. And when I don't do good things, that's when bad things happen to me uh, and because God's, God's punishing me. See, we're good at saying I'm saved by grace, but then we function like it's obeying that makes me okay before God. Another good indicator of what you believe about God and how you see him is how do you approach him in prayer? Right? If, if God is, is, is a harsh, uh, unfair God, then you're going to avoid prayer. I mean, who wants to go before somebody that's going to beat them down time after time? Or if you think that God is in some faraway place uh, and not paying any attention to you, then when you approach him in prayer, you're, you're pretty much going to do it expecting no response. If, if, if you think God's got a scorecard and he's keeping track of your good and bad, you're going to put on your best face, right? When I go before God, I'm going to blame other people. I would have done something different if I could. I'm going to minimize the the bad things going on in my life because I want God to constantly be impressed. And for the disciples, Jesus is bringing something totally new into the equation. He's talking about suffering. And for Peter and for the others, that's going to seem like failure of mission, Right? We're not going to overthrow Roman rule. We're going we're to suffer? What, what does that mean? That, that sounds like it's going to hurt. And Jesus was inviting them to participate in his suffering, as he does with us. This is Peter writing, writing later in the book of 1 Peter. says, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, your faith is of greater worth than gold, and gold perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you're receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let's just get clear on suffering, though. The suffering that, that Peter is talking about is not a lot of the suffering that goes on in, in the world. Our world is broken. 
right? That's why there's, there's starving children around the world. That's why there is senseless violence going on. That's why there's, there's injustice everywhere. It's because this world is filled with broken people and the systems of the world are broken. What Peter's referring to is suffering that is done in the name of living for the holiness of God. Suffering that is done because you have aligned yourself and your loyalty with Jesus. So suffering is not the punishment of a harsh and dictator-like God. Suffering's not impotence at a God who's distant and not involved in our life. Suffering is not the mark of failure of a God who's keeping score. It's not God withholding happiness from you. Suffering is the sign of a life that's being lived with Jesus as your king. Rejecting the standards of the world, embracing who God has created you to be, understanding that, that this is not the way the world was intended to work. But right now the world is marred by, by, by sin and by brokenness and people pursuing their own best interests apart from God. Having glory, right? That's what, that's what we all want. We all want to be a big deal. Having glory without suffering is the message of the enemy of Jesus. The message of Jesus is that suffering transforms into glory. That's the path that you're on if you're following Jesus. It hurts to let our comfortable patterns go. It, it, it takes a lot of effort to think in new ways. It, it stings to, to place your sense of self where the, where the world does not. It legitimately hurts and causes grief when we are rejected for nothing other than trying to be the true self that God created us to be. But as we engage the culture around us, are, are you ready for suffering on the account of holiness? Or do you make concessions to avoid that? that that's going to give you a picture of who Jesus is to you. So we, we end our passage. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. When you measure your decisions and your behaviors, uh, the ways you relate to others, what is your source of concern? Where are you looking for your worth or your affirmation or your significance? We have a choice in everything we do. We We can look to build the kingdom of God, or we can look to build a kingdom of our own. And sometimes, it, sometimes they look kind of similar, right? The Israelites wanted to build Israel because they wanted in some way to glorify God, but they were, they were doing it by glorifying themselves first. Adam and Eve, they chose human concerns. They were convinced that, that God was not trustworthy, so they ate the fruit. The rich young ruler who I mentioned last week, approached Jesus and said, what do I have to do to gain eternal life? And Jesus said, Jesus said you only have one thing. You've got to take all that you have and sell it to the poor and then come follow me. 
he chose to hang on to his wealth because he felt like he would lack value if he didn't. Who you say Jesus is correlates to where your identity is rooted. His interests and our interests should align. And it's Jesus who gets to determine this. His character, his identity, not what we want it to be. Because again, we're going to make Jesus, we're either going to minimize characteristics of him we're not comfortable with, we're going to create a Jesus that looks an awful lot like us so it's easy to follow him, or we're going to project our things onto Jesus so that we're comfortable and that we can manage him. We got to break free of those things. And now Jesus looks at each of the disciples. Remember, Peter's just the one with the guts to say something. And he looks at each of the disciples and he, he says to them, that my, my, my concern is greater than your political liberation. All mankind is my concern. And, and the way he verbalizes this is he says, get behind me, Satan. Okay? On the screen, I put it in text lingo, a period after each word for emphasis. Because that, as Jesus is looking at his, his boys, he's looking each of them in the eyes, and he's saying, if, if you're pursuing this other course, you're pursuing my enemy. Jesus, he is evidence that God is going to go to great lengths for you because of his love for you. Jesus represents holiness in the face of a broken world system populated by broken people. And when confronted with the choice, pursue your wholeness or worth apart for God or pursue your wholeness in God, your answer comes from the level of blindness you have to who Jesus is. Please pray with me. God, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you that peace with you and reconciliation with you does not depend on my effort, but was entirely on the shoulders of the effort of Jesus. And God, I pray that all of us would leave here or we would desire to pursue a clearer understanding of just who Jesus is that we would understand more about his character. We would understand more about the depths of his love. That we would, we would have a clear understanding that holiness and making your name great was his number one priority. And God, I pray that we would all be encouraged that Jesus wants us to share in that. And so God, I hope for all of us that nothing would stand in the way of us seeing Jesus more clearly so that we can follow you better, make your name known, and just be a light to, the, to a world who is in desperate need of your freedom. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.